0: Hi, and welcome to the I Believe podcast, a podcast created and funded by a Here we'll be sharing information and insights on treatment, research, and living with ocular melanoma. Thanks for joining us today, and I hope you'll be back soon. Today we're with Devin Anderson, who's going to talk about her journey with ocular melanoma. Devin, when were you diagnosed with ocular melanoma?
1: I was diagnosed in. October of 2013, when I was 23.
0: 23? I was very young. That's not a normal statistic.
1: How did your diagnosis
0: impact you at at being just 23, just being so young?
1: I think being so young, I was a little bit shell-shocked, and I had this view that because I'm so young, nothing bad is really going to come of this. And I was told for the first couple of weeks anyway, to kind of stay away from looking at statistics too much. So I was a little bit in the dark when I was diagnosed. And I didn't have I think, as good of a, a grasp on what it really meant, as I could have probably should have do you think your doctors could have been more helpful with that? I do think that they probably could have led me to pieces of information that would be more benefiting than just looking at a lot of the antiquated content that was online at the time. Sure.
0: Did you, did you have um, your eye enucleated or were you, were you treated with radiation?
1: No, I had my eye enucleated between the diagnosis and the nucleation of my left eye. Everything happened within a week and a half, I want to say, two weeks. So it was all very quick. I didn't really have time to react or internalize. And I pretty much internalized how much I, I felt with everything because I was thrown into this so quickly. Right. You're, you're so young when you get
0: this diagnosis. What's kept you with such a positive attitude? Because you've really been very positive throughout your journey. Being so <laughs> young, did you, were you able to keep that
1: going? Honestly, I don't think I've been that positive at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been more times than not where I have pulled up in my bedroom crying and just bargaining, uh, anger, you know, going through again and again, those steps of grief. So yeah, I, I really don't think I have been that positive for all that much of this journey.
0: Well, from what I've seen of you in, uh, in our, our groups that you're in, uh, you've always seemed so positive and I understand it's a lot easier it's to be positive than to be positive. So, wait, how old were you when you received your metastatic
1: diagnosis? I was 26. It was like three years pretty much to the week. Wow. Yep. I was 26 years old and uh, it was almost uncanny how close it was to three years in wow. the day.
0: So, when you were diagnosed with metastatic ocular melanoma, how did you deal with that? Because that's so much larger than just your eye.
1: So with that I pretty much had a full-fledged breakdown. I didn't want to see anyone. I didn't want to be seen by anyone. I pretty much completely shut down but uh they needed to get me started in on a trial and they found one fairly quickly because uh doing the chemo or the, you know, embolizations. So I started in on the chemo embolizations that same month. And it was the week of Thanksgiving that I got my first IE and uh, couldn't eat anything for Thanksgiving dinner. And that sucked.
0: Can you remember, do you have any idea how many clinical trials or procedures you had
1: yeah, so we actually wrote them down here, from January 2014 to July 2014. After my original diagnosis, I was on student. Then I had my meth diagnosis October 2016, and then I started my IE November of 2016, and then IMC GP 100 was started December of. 2017. And then I went to Ipnevo, December 2018, through January 19. I had a CE on February 14th, 2019, was hospitalized, March 2019. And then they got me in on NY ESO, April 2019. And during all this time, I was losing weight and we didn't know why. And there was something going on, which we just could not figure out. So I was actually hospitalized for 10 days in July of 2019. It was found out that I was adrenal insufficient due to the ipinevo treatment I was receiving. I had lost about 50 pounds in four months. So, once we figured that out, I started on prednisone and then I was back on CE July through April 2020. I got put on frame, which I was only on that for like a month through November 2020. And then I was on of combined with VS6766 February through April of 2021. Then I went. Back to CE April through May 2021, and then I started the Cascali May 25th to presently, and uh, was on Virginio July 16th to the 22nd. I was pulled off that because my liver enzymes like shot up to four times what they should have been, especially my bilirubin. And then they took me off that. I came into the emergency room via ambulance August 5th of this month and. I just started yesterday something called Mectovi. So right now I'm on the Cascali and the Mectovi. So that's where I am right now. I've had a lot of treatments. That's
0: a lot. My
1: goodness. Yeah. You know, I told them I'm going to keep fighting. I'm not going to take this thing laying down. And as long as I can get anything out there, You know, I don't care what it is. I will. I will take it. I will try it. Give it to me. I'll be anyone's guinea pig. So yeah, regretted that and still going to uh, take whatever they throw at me. That's awesome.
0: To me, that's a great attitude because there's a lot of people that just don't do that.
1: So
0: switching gears a little bit, you have a hobby that you really isn't a hobby, but Tell, it's tell a us. lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. there you go. So your horses. You have one? Now you have two. How, how has that helped you cope
1: with all of this? They have been one of the main constants in my life. You know, They're something that's always been there for me, whether I've been boarding them or whether I've had them like I do now, right in my backyard there's something that I have always been able to turn to, not only during the cancer, but before the cancer. So when I first lost my eye, even though I wouldn't go out and see people and I didn't want people to see me, I would go to the barn and take care of the horses and do whatever I could with the horses. Even this uh, spring, as weak as I was, you know, I'd have someone come out with me and physically help me swing a leg over their back and just walk around even, do whatever I could do that day with a the horse. They've been something that I have always been able to trust was going to be in my life. So far, it hasn't let me down yet. Well,
0: that's great. So when you're with your horse, is it kind of escape from the ocular melanoma reality? and. You kind of get your mind off of it. It's kind of therapeutic for you as well.
1: Yeah, it's an escape from not just the ocular melanoma reality, but anything that's going on, if there's stuff in the family or, you know, any other issues that I'm dealing with in my life, whether it's good or bad, they're always there, you know, on a good day. I'm out there taking care of them or riding or getting ready for a competition On a bad day, the horse needs his foot soaked or, you know, so whatever you're doing with horses takes up all your attention and it needs to because it can be dangerous. Having something that requires your complete attention is really helpful. It doesn't let you kind of get by with half-assing things.
0: That's good. During your journey, you also got married.
1: Yes, I got married in May 2019, May 25th, 2019. That's so
0: exciting. Yeah. Because you're young and, you know, marriage is kind of a big thing. How did you look at marriage knowing that you had this disease? Because that's a problem for some of the younger people. They don't know, you know, they, they look too far out. Did you...
1: Right. Um. I just knew that I wanted to live my life as normally as I possibly could. And, you know, we talked actually about getting married in 2020 instead of 2019, which now with COVID, you know, I'll give them the shoulder or the elbow bump. Like, Christy, aren't you glad we, we didn't wait? Because We would have been waiting, you know, an extra two or three years instead of one or whatever. So a social worker had talked to me one time. She's like, you know, I know it's got to be hard trying to plan for a future that you don't know how long it's going to be. And it's been definitely something that I've reflected on that's been a little bit difficult for me, you know, how can I be the best wife possible when I know there's a good chance that we aren't going to grow old together. And, uh, you know, I look at it and I kind of rejumble things in my head and I tell myself, no, you know, with the horses, I just say, that's not going to happen. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to be the the odd statistic out. So I just like I tell myself that with, you know, everything else, I tell myself that whether it's true or not, you know, you, uh, you tell yourself something enough times, then it can start to affect the way you act and It's definitely been working for me.
0: What would be your best advice to give someone, especially a younger person, who's facing the same diagnosis
1: that you have? Find your support system, whether it is your family, an online forum, friends online, gaming community, job that you throw yourself into, find yourself. A support system that you can trust that's gonna be there constantly for you and look to them when you need things. And it's been hard for me, and I have gone to use my family as my support system because, heartbreakingly enough, you know, every friend I would make has passed, and I've lost so many people to this illness, that's when I kind of decided that I was going to leave social media as my support system. And I will be there for anyone that needs me to be there. And I will do whatever I can to help somebody else. But I have, you know, my family as my support system, because I've lost enough people. I've felt that sting too many times. So yeah that is the
0: hardest part with this disease is when you you make good friends and then you lose them exactly that is hard so as we're starting to come to the end of this is there anything that you want the general public to know about ocular melanoma is there anything that you want to
1: share i'm not sure von do you have anything that you would like to share my only contribution is that anybody
2: who is diagnosed needs to seek out an oncologist who is very familiar with ocular melanoma. We, we obviously see a lot of them that go to oncologists that deal with cutaneous melanoma. And of course, their first treatment is nevo which can have really bad side effects with little, little in the way of response rate for treatment. And... The other thing is, is to have a plan A and a plan B.
1: And a plan C. Yeah.
2: I mean, that was the one thing that helped my stress was that knowing, okay, if this doesn't work, this is what we're going to go to next. And at the point that we started running out of options, you know, I started looking at alternative treatments and I found a really good group that I'm in that I like. I don't, you know, whether or not it's effective or not is remains to be seen because we're just getting om people into that but um i think if nothing else they can slow things down just you know th- those are my things that i've that i've used as caregiver for stress relief
0: being a caregiver is a hard job but thank you for being there for devin
1: let yourself be upset you know i find a lot of people that feel like they can't actively show their emotions but no I think that and I've heard this from so many people and I'm sure you know everyone with cancer has probably heard this oh just be positive you got this you're so strong and it's like nope I'm gonna go scream into my pillow right now and cry and kick and wine and let yourself do that.
0: I've heard a lot of cancer patients say it's too hard to be strong for the family. and yeah. It's not your job to be strong for the family.
1: Right. I've all but given up on the whole, oh, this is just a little pothole. You're Yeah, no, let yourself scream. Let yourself be unhappy. Your feelings are valid. You have every right to feel the way you're feeling. And Go bury your face in that pillow and scream. It'll help.
0: That's good advice right there. Best advice right there. Feel the feels.
1: Yeah. Let yourself feel the way your uh, body wants to feel. Thank you
0: so much for spending some time with us during your hospital stay. I really appreciate that. You're going to give a lot of patients some good tools and some guidance, something to look for. And we really do appreciate that. And we okay. wish you the best you. of luck. And I hope you get that your cough taken care of and that the treatment starts to work. So keep us posted and thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today on the I Believe podcast. Please share and make sure to send this over to friends, family, and to share on your social media. Feel free to follow us on Facebook or on Instagram at AcureInsight. Thanks so much and have a wonderful day. We'll see you next time.